Let's get you hey. that CNBC show, right? Yeah, they're like, the they wanted, like, Bear Stearns is fine. That's <laughs> Michael Wood. Don't listen to them. Everything is fine. I think you should market crash. (laughs) You should do it in like mass hole accent entirely. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh, that's good, actually. Right? I really like that. Yeah. Buying a lot of stocks today. I got a bunch of shit coming in. (laughs) It's going to be fucking ridiculous. You're going to make a ton of cash, bro. Seriously. You're going to be like a fucking monster. I started monster. watching <laughs> I started watching this uh this terrible, terrible show, which is now my favorite television show that's ever been created. Oh no, what is that? It's on Netflix. It's called uh, Floor is Lava. It's mm. such a great show. It's so good. What a great concept. <laughs> what is this? Uh, I know the wait, expression. Explain uh, it. Yeah, I mean it's the it is the game that you play as a fucking kid where you're like, don't step on the floor, the floor is lava. Wait, this whole show? Like, step on, it's amazing. It's great. <laughs> it is the best idea. And Seriously? I don't understand why I didn't think of this shit. I saw that concept and I thought to myself, By the way, I just want to say Camille's, Camille's is the most remarkable we, have, we haven't seen him this excited since he was like snorting Adderall In the off of a stripper. I mean, it, isn't it fucking cool? It's a really good show. I'm not going to lie about it. Wow. I have to say that Camille is the type of guy that when he sees something good, is like, how come I didn't actually create that? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good instinct. Why aren't I more yeah. rich? Floor is lava. Is so yeah, they get- It's on te- Netflix. Actually, just thinking about this, what? they get teams of three. Oh. oh, shit. Should we be on it? They get teams of three. Okay. And they- Wait, I mean- Sometimes, and I was about. I Is brought that for it, kids, though. I brought no, it up. It's adults, but kids love it too because it's super funny. Yeah, and like they had uh, three airline steward or, or personnel. I love it. I, personnel. <laughs> it's like 1975, and you had this <laughs> stewardesses, 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 whatever, uh, uh, flight stewards. attendants, uh, including <laughs> a part-time like uh, uh, drag queen named Chicklet. Oh, <laughs> it was yeah, this yeah, like schlubby. Yeah. Uh, like a Latino guy who's hilarious, uh, and he's like, and he was like shrieking the whole time. It was so funny, and like, uh, and his two coworkers who were like around fifty, and you're basically you're traversing some weird room, like a basement or something else, and the, the floor is lava, and you're either like jumping onto pyramids and Easter Island heads, or on like indie. So it's a game of physical uh, exertion, but it's also about like teamwork and, and like trying to figure stuff out. So the people aren't necessary. Sometimes they're super athletic. And the, uh, I thought about this, uh, because you're talking about in, in um, a mass hole accent, they had three Boston dude bros oh, come on awesome. and Oh my God, within the first five seconds, like, well, the first thing is that, uh, Los Angeles sports people, uh, suck. Yeah, Tom Brady was mentioned straight out of like they were such mass holes. Like you couldn't, they do a pretty good job. Camille will uh, attest of like pulling semi normal people, yeah, uh, and how awful and wonderful that they are. Um, and it's really funny. And we would be great. We'd be great, except like we it would like uh, uh, fall apart with rancor. So it's funny because I know a lot of people that pitch stuff. Camille, I know, does too. Um, You know, just like shows to Netflix production companies, everything. And the people that are the gatekeepers of the stuff are always so boring and stupid that I'm excited when a show like this gets through. But it's not the case everywhere because like in England, there's an incredible show called Gogglebox. Do you know the show? No, but I love the name. It's amazing. And it's a camera behind a television, right? And it's oh, families. Yeah. They're watching television. They're watching yeah. television. So yeah. there's multiple families and it cuts between them as they watch a show. Mm-hmm. And it is hilarious because it's just like average working class people there's some posh people too but they're just watching really bad tv 
And the comments are always hilarious. It's like old ladies, like, oh, I don't like that at all, actually. He's disgusting. And like, you know, and it's <laughs> these people just making fun of it. It's, it's basically like MST3K, but with no script and with ordinary people talking about TV. And it's like, if you pitch that show to half of these dickheads that are like the gatekeepers in Hollywood, they'd be like, why would I want to watch that? And it's one of the biggest shows in England. It's I mean, great. It's, I love stuff like I that. I think it's part of the appeal of the show. I mean, Camille, you're, you're a bigger fan than I am, apparently. But like, uh, besides- I mean, I haven't even watched it. What? what? I haven't watched it. You, you got, watched that, the, you got that excited? Yeah, just I like the idea a lot. I mean, I saw the trailer. The trailer oh. looked amazing. Oh, my You're God. You're like one of those people that cancels a book that they haven't read. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't have like time He calls to in the New York Times. Shows. He's not a subscriber. <laughs> Cancel my subscription. Yeah, I don't have yeah. game shows. Yeah. I don't have time to watch game shows. <laughs> no, you just no. have time to watch like entire like uh, TV series and movies. It's been my a while wife, since I've done that. Who is a subscriber to the Patreon? She's yeah. listening to this right now. Yeah. Resents your, um, your media viewing habits. Really? Sure. Yeah. Why? Absolutely. Because she resents them. One that's racist, but yeah. go ahead. Exactly. Well, I mean, she's. Good. I don't want to say Yeah. No. That's fine. Me French. Too. It's different. No. It's different. No. But she does understand, because um, she's been with you for like 25 years, that you use French as a substitute for the word racist. <laughs> it's not true. So maybe it's like, you know, she's French, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, because God. like we never watch anything except uh-huh. Laura's Lava, which is really it's great. great. Yeah. Go check it out. Yeah. Go yeah. check it out. But, um, well, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. It's a misallocation of resources. You're wasting your time actually watching Floor is Lava. Once I saw the trailer, I knew what was going on. And I said to myself, that's amazing. I love it. I wish I was like, <laughs> on that show. I wish I thought of that what's, show. What's wrong with him? I'm going to go watch I love that he's, something else. He's like a 1940s film character. That's Dang. amazing. I love it, kid. <laughs> See? Floor is Lava. Like, what, you want? But that's, that's it. I know what happens in that show. That's, it's that's, the, that's the kind of emotional and time economy of somebody on a ton of Adderall. Like, <laughs> I got it. I'm good. I, got, I know what it is. I'm so excited about the show that it's I'll best. never watch. But yeah. this is, I mean, this is the other thing. The way that I actually watch television, this is slightly embarrassing. The way that I actually watch television. No, it's not. Like I start in the middle or something. I will zip to the end and like sort of find out if I have an entire series available to me. Mm -hmm. I will totally watch like the last episode of the series and see like, oh, he died. Okay, blah, blah, blah. And then sort of skip through the rest of it. I did that with season two of Hannah on Amazon. I did that with Jack Ryan like what, just this past weekend, what's Hannah? I get to watch like the whole is that the shit. One, is that the one with Miley Cyrus? Hour. Is it the Miley Cyrus no, show? Some other girl, but it's like a Miley Cyrus show. Yeah, I mean, she's I a could Hannah. ruin it for you since I've seen the. I end mean, I'm not going to watch middle, it, but so I bet I bet some of the listening might probably might. watch it. Yeah, yeah. Th- there are very few shows that I will actually. Oh, I'm going to watch like every minute of this, <laughs> like The Expanse. Like I did that. Are you like a listen to the podcast at two x? Oh yeah, fuck yeah! Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah, an never. Thing. I mean, never do it. Never do that. Are you kidding? Never, never. At least one and a half. Well, really? first of all, I don't At listen least. to podcasts, yeah. so that that helps. I think but with us, it might be a little harder. And I, I listen to this regularly because everybody's so fucking cracked it's out. So good <laughs> because it's so amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, it's it's really drunk as we get. Like, yeah. you yeah. want me sped up? It can like, be quite. It can be <laughs> quite well, heavy. Just the like individual voices. You can sped up. Yeah, it can be quite yeah. heady. So it can be. Yeah. It can, you want to kind of keep heady up is, is one word. Yeah, yeah. She's like, could you guys like slow down? What you're doing, <laughs> man? It's so crazy. They're like people in Hungary and stuff. Yash, we love you. We're not. We're just kidding around. We're just uh, kidding. Around. You think God. he's a subscriber now? No, he's got his own thing to deal with. He's yeah. got a lot of subscribers over there. That's true. At the the remnant or whatever the hell, what's it called? 
it's the it's, regnant. It's, it's the remnant dispatch uh, persuasion. It's the persuasion. It's the persuadinator or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of these things these days. I, I thought I would be watching like more, you know, bad TV and bad movies and stuff because of COVID. Mm. And now I think the lockdown's ended and no one's told me and I'm just like at home by myself all the time. <laughs> I'm like Howard Hughes using it like, like Kleenex boxes That's on fine. my You'll feet. You'll find out soon around. enough when the, when the lockdown begins again. Yeah, As oh, it yeah. is in many parts of the country. I know, I know. Yeah. In Florida. Well, California so. today. Austin, in Arizona. Austin today, they suggest that really? they're calling for another several weeks, three weeks actually. But nobody's dying, right? No people. No, well, people that's are just dying it. More. The death, the death rates are actually starting to increase now. Oh, they are. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now it's it's. I stopped subtle. paying attention because I was subtle, too. And we'll depressed. have to see whether or not it actually ends up being very large. But the deaths are obviously a lagging indicator. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see what ends up happening. But the ICUs are actually full, and not merely the hospital beds. Is that right? Texas. Oh. Yeah. That's so not that's, good. That's bad. That's not good. That's New York had its can, can first California, on the other hand, does day. seem to be jumping the gun a bit and trying to get way out in front of this. But part of the challenge with all of this, as we've talked about for a very long time is whatever you do internally in your state, if you're not erecting walls around the state, like it matters what's happening next door about as much. And but why know. is it like we had our first day where nobody died of COVID yesterday, right? Yeah. yeah. So we're recording so, this on a, is it Monday? I have no idea. Monday. Yeah. Truly. I have no idea. Yeah. So no, I mean, literally I have like a I bowl know. cut. I look like Emo <laughs> Phillips, and I don't even know what day it is. And literally, it could be September. Um, I've actually had moments, this is true, where I was like reading stuff on my phone, and I looked up and I was like, I literally have no, it could be 9 a.m., it could be 7 p.m., I have no idea. But no, I mean, the thing that's crazy about this now is that New York had its first day, and all the cars are on the street, there are more people out than ever, there's restaurants are opening up just outside, of course. Yeah. But... So what is happening here? What is happening that everyone is out and about and wouldn't we get a big flare up or are we getting towards herd immunity or are we getting, I mean, it, it's hard to tell. It's, it's really hard it's, to tell. It's very hard to tell. And given that it just takes some time, mm. we can't really know. I mean, a four, 14 day incubation period. Yeah. Like, yeah. Although one, one thing that I, I think uh, when I communicate with people on various uh, platforms about uh policy and whatnot like uh like school policy reopening Uh stuff which i'm super interested in um my five-year-old went back into summer camp last week uh the 12 year old went uh just this week only for a week um but um so like you know this is huge impact in our lives but like in talking about this and writing about this people are like oh my god i mean these people they're not going to wear masks i'm like yeah probably where you're writing from which might be in Alabama or in Texas yeah. or other places, but in New York, people are wearing masks. Yeah, I mean there is. there are some people who are not wearing masks. I haven't seen much of it, but yeah. there's not much of it. Like we went through such an intense awfulness here for so long. I mean, think about maybe there's like an index of how long you did the seven o'clock thing, right? Seven o'clock thing where people come out and just start banging pots and drums and that's off. over now. Isn't it's it? over, but it's only over for the last two weeks, mm-hmm. um, maybe. Um, like it was a, it's sort of like a, a way to shout out to the first responders. Yeah, yeah. And, and that was out. We did that every day for more than three months. Um, and so if your uh, state and city and whatever haven't been doing the seven o'clock thing, yeah, it's most places in the country. You probably haven't had the masks. Yeah. And my big worry about all of this, and it's actually sort of a media story, I think, in some ways, 
is that the concentration of media in New York City, yep, um, which is a pretty, you know, New York is always going to be a media capital. But as Jack Schaefer and somebody else at Politico a couple of years ago documented, like such a preponderance of 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 jobs sort of shifted regionally to New York over the last ten years as local newspapers withered and became nothing, and all the new BuzzFeeds and digital media were all based here, um, that like we all see things through a New York lens, including the mm-hmm. horrific parts of it, yeah. which then Gavin Newsom responds to by locking down beaches in California in the spring when right. there's not really anything going on there, and now they're taking off. Which is not where it's spreading it either. You know, you know, of course it's not spreading there at all. And they were like arresting people from like skinboarding in Malibu. It was crazy. Well, you remember Bill de Blasio saying, we're going to pull you out of the water if you're in the water on what Labor Day weekend? Was that what it is? Oh, not Labor Memorial Day. Memorial Day, Day weekend, mm-hmm. sorry. We're going to pull you out of the water. That's like, we're going to have the cops do that. Like that was back like three weeks before Bill de Blasio decided he hated the cops and they shouldn't be pulling anybody out of anything. Was that, was that before he <laughs> opened up the camps for the Jews? Yeah, I, no, he shut down the weddings uh, yeah. as he was opening up the camps. Yeah. yeah, he was. I passed one today on, uh, on the way here, actually. Yeah. yeah, they don't screw around. Yeah. Um, I was. I mean, who doesn't screw around? The the, the Hasidic, chosen people? The Hasidic wedding. Yeah, the chosen people. They yeah. they choose to have big weddings. Yeah. <laughs> like I saw, I saw people outside like greeting one another with like kisses and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. It, it weirdly freaked me out. I put on my mask spontaneously. Wow. In the car? No, I was standing outside of the car. I, re- I, I remember to, when to you gas. weren't that guy. That was not long ago when you weren't that guy. I, I'm not even afraid. Like, I don't think I'm going Except to catch of it. Except Jews. But you're I can't help it. I'm not afraid. Spontaneously I'm just, I'm just like put on the mask all the time. <laughs> I find myself doing it. Like, okay, and, okay and Ice Cube. I, use, I mostly wear the mask. <laughs> I mostly wear the mask. You're a professional polite. football player, too? <laughs> no, I'm a member of the Nation of Islam. Um, I, I, um, I, you're a member I wear of the, the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough to be anti anti-semitic anti-semitic you must be actively anti-semitic yeah yeah just actively anti-semitic he forgot the first anti don't piss me off welch telling me what i must do yes you're starting to sound like the libertarian that's what i do president of the united states telling people what they must do that's how that works that's how that works. And, and then and then people on Twitter telling you that you're a monster for objecting to it. Yeah. Well, only dopes. <laughs> nameless, nameless dopes. You should tell the people that we started this uh, podcast tonight yeah. in oh, anger. Yeah. In, in anger. In fury. Mm. Like Moynihan, there's a couple don't of- Don't look back in anger. Yeah. You don't want to like deal with Moynihan in, in many situations. No, but like no. the ones that are- The what a rage monster. You don't want him driving a car. Just no, like, that's really just bad. Don't be in that car. That's really bad. <laughs> I think, or, I think or I've done that once. Oh, yeah. And no, I will. And, I will find the physical flaw in the person who cut me off and really work on it. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, like, oh, what's up, fucking cleft palate? You know, just whatever it is, <laughs> you cut me off. I have a feeling <laughs> that if you're actually canceled ever, it's going to be because someone had a recording device in your car. No, as it, someone cut you off. Do you think I would do what I used to do now <laughs> in the days where everything is recorded? I mean, I, I, I recall one time being in the West Village and I was driving down Bleecker Street and there was a cab, yellow cab, back when those used to be common, um, trying to pass me. I mean, he's still common now. Trying, he was trying to pass me in a one, and Bleecker Street's one, one lane, right? And so every time there was a, a light, he'd pull up to the right. You know, they do that all the time, those cabs. Yeah. And then I would just fucking bomb it from the, and then just slow down again. <laughs> and he kept on doing this and was like, hanging at me. And I'm like, dude, it's not a fucking two lane street. You're behind me. You got screwed. Sorry. 
And uh, at some point, I just stopped the car and put it in park in the middle of the thing and got out of the car. Asshole. Yeah. And as now, I realize, I mean, there were some words, too. Um, I mean, a few words. Like a lot of words. Mostly racist words. Um, no, I didn't say <laughs> I didn't say anything like that. No, the the uh, uh I would never do that now with people with their freaking cameras everywhere. Mm. You're not allowed to have a bad moment in life anymore. You're not allowed to have rage fueled, like completely unhinged no. episodes. I mean, of look, there's bad ones where people take guns out and shit, but um suicide machines. But no, but like I see the Daily Mail every day. I remember talking to Camille about this ages ago, that we've entered the time in race relations that it doesn't matter if there were racially motivated um, words exchanged. It just matters that there's a black person and a white person. And particularly if like a white person like, you know, like pushes like a guy like on the street because he's crazy or something or just angry. And it's like, you know, white, someone pushes black and then you uh -huh. read it and there's like, there, there's nothing said. Like you're like, people can get mad at people of other races <laughs> and have it not be racist. Right? Yeah, no, no, they can't. No, they can't. So I, I mean, <laughs> that's why like if like somebody like cameras out and somebody yeah. like cut me off and it was a black, I'd be like, thank you, sir. It was, that's, you know, a reparations cut off. I don't know. What to I mean, say. it's the whole, the whole of the, the no, I'm not going to get, you know, cause it'll be turned into that. I'm not going to fucking get involved. In the that. core of the anti-racist project is to redefine all of the terms. Mm. The racist means something else. It's not a, it's not a function of your motivations. It doesn't matter if you, if you meant to say something, it's not a matter of actually insulting black people or saying something nasty. It's merely something that black people one it's something that black people alone get to determine or whatever person of color you've offended without knowing it they say what you did is racist therefore it's racist also it's the general experience of being alive mm -hmm. in a society where white supremacy reigns which is the whole of the world mm -hmm. the whole world is white supremacist therefore the whole world is racist and if you wake up in the morning, if you wake up in the morning and brush your teeth with fucking Colgate and you go outside, all of that shit is racist. Do you it's all systemic and it's do you, all do you remember institutional that? and it's all super fucking racist. It's inescapable. Do, it's do, cosmic. <laughs> it's gravity. It's funny because you said that like everywhere on Earth. Do you remember when we watched that Wyatt Senek thing on HBO? Uh-huh. Because we were like shooting that pilot. Yeah, yeah. Space and racism. It was, it was about like how, and it was totally <laughs> serious. Yeah. Because he's not funny. It was this Wyatt Senek <laughs> thing on HBO that for uh, some reason I got, um, was renewed for yeah. a second season. And it was about <laughs> Elon Musk wanting to send people to Mars. And he went on this jag. And you realize it's not a live show. So it's like scripted. So someone was like, yeah, that's good. Let's go with that. <laughs> and he was talking about how it's like space colonialism. Like going to the, going to the moon and, and it was Mars. Just like, what? And like you it's like, oh my God, this, it's space racism. It's spaceism. privacy out there It's with you. so crazy. Yeah. Did I ever tell you guys the story about how my college newspaper was covered, which is 90 miles from Los Angeles, was covered by every single LA TV station as being a racist. So, yeah, because who, who wrote well, what, the piece? There was somebody that was famous, right? No, nobody. Oh, oh. I, wasn't there some? I, remind us. What was the. So, the. Um, it was the one year anniversary of the Challenger blowing up. Mm. And we ran a stupid op ed that you do, whatever. On this one year anniversary, 
we should all remember our heroes bullshit mm-hmm. kind of thing. And at the end of the op-ed, and it was by sort of like a, a non-member of the newspaper, just like an outsider who wrote it, because mm-hmm. um, that's what an op-ed page does often, <laughs> <clears throat> listed the names of the astronauts who died. Mm-hmm. There was one name left off. Oh. Mm. The first black astronaut, Ronald McNair. Mm. You remember his name, which is pretty impressive. Well, because this had a pretty strong impression on me. Imagine um, I am 18 years old. I am the assistant news editor of of the uh, Daily Nexus in Santa Barbara. And you're a super racist. Well, I mean, back in those days. Yeah. Goes that thing. Matt, um, Matt didn't hate black people. He just mostly hated black astronauts. <laughs> it was very, very specific. It wasn't my desk that, that made this error. But uh, so there was... There were uh, uh, protests, the Black Student Union. And UC Santa Barbara at the time, 18,000 undergrads, 200 black people. I mean, it's it's just blonde, white teeth, fraternity mm. nightmare, and like 200 black people. Um, so it was predominantly white. Um, and someone noticed it, and then they started talking about it. And then it was, we need to boycott the newspaper. And then it was, we're going to take all of the free newspapers and throw them in the trash. Yes, um, And institutional racism um of, of of this paper and everything and so like it just started spiraling out of control again with an outside contributor who had written this yeah, thing yeah. and it was probably a paste-up error because it's in the paste-up uh, mm-hmm. era when you sort of like take an exacto blade and and cut things at the bottom yes yeah. um so who knows how the error happened and so all of the big tv networks come up there and what happens is that I go in to see um, – There's a, a it is spiraled out of control, and I go up and I see uh, 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 my morning kind of story budget from the mm-hmm. campus and county editors back in the day. And You're 18, remember. I'm 18, and uh, I walk in at 8 o'clock in the morning, and both of them have shaved their head into mohawks, and they are cranking um, – the first time I'd ever heard it in my life, um, never mind the bullocks – um, really as loud as anything yeah. I've ever heard in my life. And they've sent me their story budgets for <laughs> for the day. And it's literally the most racist thing I've ever seen in my life because they cracked. And so, like, I can't even intimate what these things said. Um, it was sort of like a, a, a crazed response. And it's a, a person who was at the paper at the time said, take this paper and burn it and no one shall ever see it. Um, but it was basically a way of expressing the frustration of what it's like to be in the eye of a media hurricane. This is back in 1980 fucking seven. Um, and at a place that the, the nickname of it was, or, uh, was the commie rag because it was so left wing at the time. Yes. Um, but you're piled on for a mistake that was inadvertent by a freelancer and it leads to a semi-national news story. Um, so it was uh, formational in uh, in how these things can spiral to a place that have nothing to do with any of the people who are actually putting out a newspaper. And there were all these, like, you know, we're so sorry for what we've done and the institutional, uh, you know, pathways that we have contributed to and we're going to do this. And there was incredible amounts of backpedaling for something that was just an error. Yeah. It had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, no, I mean, the point of all this stuff is to make sure to give nobody any quarter or any benefit of the doubt. 
and it just reminded me there was um you can look this up and i just looked it up now and it's uh, it, it, that was actually the title is that when i was in school there uh, at university of massachusetts amherst there was a piece that the national association of scholars which was the kind of right of center academic group had a journal called academic questions and there was a guy named gary crosby brazer who's now dead but he Great taught man. he taught french at howard university I don't, I'm pretty sure he was white, actually. I'm not sure, but I think he was. But he taught at Howard and he wrote a, an article that I got a copy of then in print. This is like pre, you know, getting things in email attachments uh, that didn't exist. I got a, like, it was like a hundred pages and then it was distilled to this thing called Weimar in Amherst <laughs> about the madness that had taken over. And there was some similar offense at the Daily Collegian, which was like, is Vestia in, in like 1987 in Moscow. I was like, you guys are a little too over the top now. You guys are a little left wing. This is like a, a little crazy. So this was the crucible, uh, you know, in which I was uh, formed was reading this newspaper. But there was a moment in that piece, I remember where he quoted it was in the Boston Globe or was in the Collegian. Then they had taken all the, I guess it was the conservative newspaper that they had taken the copies of and, and threw them away. Yeah. The people gave some sort of press conference or something. And someone said, hey, I thought only Nazis burned newspapers. And I'll never forget this. They incredulously said, no, we recycled them. <laughs> <laughs> Which was like, oh, okay, that's yeah, fine yeah. then. Yeah, much, much better. But I mean, I think we should have probably seen this coming, is, is that all of these things, and I don't want to talk about the letter and the counter letter. It shouldn't surprise anyone that nobody likes to hear arguments that they disagree with. And this is a, a, a sort of recent thing, I think. I mean, particularly at this kind of level, it's always the case in college journalism, right? But as the journalism world changed and relied so much more on younger people because they're cheaper and nobody's making any money, this kind of attitude really snuck into newsrooms. And I thought the other day, and I wish somebody would do this, actually, because it would probably be very telling. Take the average age of the people who signed the letter that Thomas organized that was published in Harper's. You know, Salman Rushdie's and, you know, Norm Chomsky's in his 90s. Martin Amos is probably about 70 now, et cetera. And do the average age of the response letter. That's actually pretty interesting. I think right. it'd probably be 20-year differential. It's pretty astonishing because you see these people. I didn't know who most of them were on the second letter. I mean, Margaret Atwood's probably 70. You know, this, this, it's an older crowd, I would say. And this other one is like all these young people that I haven't heard of that are just like infiltrated newsrooms. I say infiltrated, like they've been, the door was left unlatched and they came in or something. They were invited in and then they, people said, oh my God, we can't do anything about this now. That's why you have to recast this stuff as violence. And it's because, you know, you just sound like a dope saying, well, we shouldn't have these debates. And I'll say one final thing about this is that if I should release this, tell me the other day. I guess it was Sunday, Saturday or Sunday. I was listening. I was reading this letter, this counter letter, because the New York Times covered that too. And I was like, I started reading it and I was like, oh, fuck it. You guys were off doing something like real people things, your families and, you know, jobs. And I was sitting here like, you know, packing my corn cob pipe and like twisting my mustache. And, like, what, what day is it? So I just uh, started recording and I recorded something that's like 40 minutes long, half an hour long of me reading the letter and bitching about it. So release I, the letter. Yeah. So I'm going to really, it's, it's a little, it, the reason it'll be a little late uh, from this letter is that I was like, oh, do we need more commentary, particularly a monologue about the letter? And then I realized like, oh, that's, isn't that guy Ben Shapiro's show? Just him talking. And that's like really <laughs> popular. I mean, I'm not 
him. I don't want to talk about the letter, <laughs> but I want to ask you one question. Yeah, I, have, I don't want to talk about that, the I already did to myself. I know. <laughs> but which is that, um, just piggybacking on that observation, um, since you're the one with the big class chip on your shoulder. Yes. Um, <laughs> and one of the big critiques against the letter was like, you know, all the Camille, like, never fly coachers are sitting there and whining about being criticized. <clears throat> but like, do you have some sympathy for these young nobodies? No. Um, who have class resentment against Martin Amos and Camille Foster. Why do they? So again, maybe that I won't release this thing because I covered this pretty uh, when I was just bitching to myself. But one of, the things you, it, one of the things you notice, right, is a letter that does a couple of things. It says that the people, many of whom are black, people of color, whatever you want to say, non-white Bi- people, BIPOC, BIPOC, BIPOC. Tupacs, BIPOCs, um, and <laughs> that—that's that, why I didn't sign the letter, not because I didn't want to, because they were trying to make it more diverse, and they don't ask people like me in situations like that. Okay, fine. My response to that is, guys, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. That letter, right. the response letter, is basically saying the people who are doing this are signing it because they're mad that disadvantaged people or people who are oppressed are now rising, and it's like, okay, so Thomas Chatterton Williams is mad that there are black people in the newsroom. That's your argument. So, okay, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but like, let's continue. And then it's like the privilege, the privilege, the privilege. The first signatory in that letter, the first one is unnamed because they're scared. No, they're not. It's, it's an unnamed NDA. So it's either one or the other. You sign an NDA and you can't do this publicly. And also, yeah, this is what you do in news organizations. You don't go around signing letters, whether that's good or bad, who cares? But it's NDA, NBC News. Second one was, you know, whatever. Keep going down. NBC News, New York Times, wire cutter owned by the New York Times, etc. We are slicing this very thin, aren't we? That those people are saying that other people are privileged. I mean, you work at fucking NBC News <laughs> and you're saying that people are privileged. It's like, I only make $70,000 a year working for NBC News. It's like, yeah, you're 11. Okay. <laughs> so no, you shouldn't be making more than that. Well, I live in New York. Well, fucking move. Like work for the they, local NBC affiliate have. in fucking Hartford or something. No, they haven't because their fucking <laughs> rich parents are paying their their rent and they're talking about privilege. It's really frustrating. <laughs> I think I want to find out where all these people went to school. Give me where they went to school. You think all these people went to Plymouth State in Massachusetts, Bunker Hill Community College? Go fuck yourself. Who are you talking about? Fucking privilege? You're talking about these people have all this privilege? No, no, they have experience and they've been around for a long time. And Martin Amos, by the way, wrote one of the great novels when he was 21 years old. It is unbelievable. And he's 21. These people are talented. And the reason that we have all these old people, they already have everything. What do we care about? I don't know why I'm doing the Garant's voice. Yeah, it's but, what it's like. but you know what? That's why they chose them. Yeah, you know what? It doesn't get in the New York Times. It's a bunch of fucking nobodies, you idiots. It's so annoying. Like, oh, they have these privileged people who are like, they care about being canceled. They're like rich and famous. Like, no, they care about other people being canceled, number one. And number two, yeah, they're rich and famous. That's why we're talking about it, you dickhead. I suspect I suspect Garance is more on, on our side than their side. Oh so. no, I don't I like Garance. That I was like just Garance, that yeah. was just the I voice. know, but she's got a really distinctive she's voice. She's a very distinctive Pretty voice. Great. Camilla, are you gonna like get off of your fucking mm-hmm. Tetris over there I, and I, like, yeah. actually join the No, no, you're I'm fucking grinder? I am um I'm <laughs> Grinder Grindhouse? <laughs> is that the mi- the mixture of grinder and clubhouse? He's on dog shit. Yeah, no, dog no, pile. I was texting with a friend of ours who might have been coming here. Oh, Dude is that person not coming? They're in bed. Mm. And they they love us. Yeah, and that they will update us as soon as possible. 
All right. Well, whatever that means. I mean, we know yeah. what that means, but maybe you want to preview your your anger at uh, Joe Jorgensen. Oh, uh, I mean, you want to rehearse that? What is what is there to preview? I mean, do, do people even know who Joe Jorgensen I is? I had no Joe idea Jorgensen until told me. Is the <laughs> Libertarian. That was the guy from ministry. She's the libertarian <laughs> candidate for president of the United States. She and some guy named Spike, I believe. Spike Cohen. Spike Cohen. See? Look at that. Is the vice who's the vice presidential nominee. The two of them are, I'm sure, nice people. I'm sure very fine people. Right? She is. Because there are very fine people on both sides. <laughs> um <laughs> these these two Two years that joke's not gonna make sense. <laughs> it's one of the Yeah. Um, so these two are, you know, doing their thing and I don't know, I haven't been paying much attention. He's falling asleep. There's a lot going on. No, I'm I'm trying to figure out the best way to tell this story so that I don't like, I tried just to interject here. I tried to tell this story like with a proper context Uh, yesterday Yeah. to, uh, not a normal, but like someone who like doesn't know all that stuff. Yeah. And it took like 15 minutes. Yeah. So let me just, let me just tell the story of a stupid tweet. Yeah. Let me just cut to the chase. She is the Libertarian nominee for President of the United States. And as the Libertarian nominee, she sends out a tweet. And the tweet says, it's not enough to not be racist. You must be anti-racist. Actively. Actively anti-racist. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Hashtag vote gold. Some shit like that. That's the color of the Libertarian thing. Oh, because of everyone's into gold. I, <laughs> no, it's the it's the color. The, yeah, double the double meaning. Problem. Yeah, double meaning. Um, but <laughs> but this 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 single tweet, this single simple tweet, completely unobjectionable from some people's perspective, ignited a bit of a firestorm, and many libertarians found themselves upset, incensed, even. Mm-hmm. I among them. I didn't say you fucking idiot all i did was put a bunch of dots just Mm -hmm. a bunch of dots Mm -hmm. and then the previous libertarian nominee for presidency of the united states and a previous fifth column guest and a previous fifth column guest and And camille 2020 endorser that's true gary johnson he responds absolutely joe i can Mm -hmm. just hear his voice saying that and i responded to that in the same way just a string of dots that's Mm -hmm. all I didn't say anything. He's probably climbing a mountain with a huge slip in his mouth. <laughs> and and the reason <laughs> and the reason that people libertarians are upset about this isn't because they are concerned about criminal justice reform and they are outraged at calls to abolish the police. It isn't because they hate the fact that Black Lives Matter is going after qualified immunity. It's because Black Lives Matter and anti-racism broadly are incredibly fucking charged they Mm -hmm. exist in a political context these Mm -hmm. are not mere phrases it's not an innocent idea it's not merely saying i care about black people but that's the trick i care about systemic racism that's the trick it is a whole fucking thing Mm -hmm. and it is irresponsible it's political malpractice if you don't understand that as a candidate for the presidency of the united states and there's something a little off about a tweet that says must, I must do this. I must libertarian candidate for the presidency of the United States. That's how that works now. now do you think she what, might not be president now? <laughs> well, no, no, this is, this is the thing. And this is the other, and this is the other part of it, actually. 
I'm sorry to break the news to you. Joe is not going to win. I don't think so. And I don't make political predictions. Now, if it was me and Justin running together, Mm -hmm. you know, running mates, you got a chance. Who knows? You got a chance. Exactly. Kanye, he's got a chance. Mm -hmm. She has zero chance. The only thing the Libertarian Party has to run for, fucking principle. That's it. Stand on principle. And the shit that they're doing, the shit that they're doing, just buying into these memes, these stupid slogans that are not empty. There is a whole context there. And much of that context is antithetical to the values that libertarians are. Do you think she knows that? Anti-individuals. I suspect she doesn't. But that's the problem. The libertarians do. The Black Lives Matter proponents, the leadership, they certainly do. Do Does the mass of the public know? No, they don't. They don't know. They don't know, but they're starting to learn. They're starting to learn. The, they're anti-individual. And, and I don't mean just like anti-individualist in like a casual way. They are explicitly anti-individualist. It, it's, a, it's an idea that they think is, in fact, based in white supremacy. Like they're anti-capitalist. These are pretty fundamental ideas. These are our values as libertarians, speaking for myself. If, if they're against that, that matters. And it's one thing to take up common cause with them and say, we also want to end qualified immunity. If you're a Black Lives Matter supporter and you've been voting for Democrats and you're planning to vote for fucking Joe Biden in November, you know that motherfucker doesn't even want to get rid of qualified immunity. Who does he work for? The only president running for candidate, the only person running for president of the United States who will actually do something about this is me, Joe. I'm your girl. Vote for me because I have the right ideas. Not some bullshit. Black Lives Matter. She said that too. She did say that too. Yes. And she also modified her statement six or seven hours later after everyone was outraged. But then, the, but then there's something else. And this is, this is the, the, the end of the thing, I imagine. It's never going to be. But there are some people on, <laughs> online, some brave souls who think, oh my God, like libertarians are so angry that she said something about supporting Black Lives Matter. Libertarians are always defending like white nationalists and allowing them to say things and defending their right to stand up for things and, and talking about freedom of association. Why does this outrage you? Libertarians are taking up common cause with conservatives to support certain ideas. Why, why does this bother you? Quick, Libertarians Moynihan, never, Moynihan. ever. Who, who's that voice? Whose voice is that? Mm, that's I a tough one. I was thinking like, about cat, that. Even like category. <laughs> like a racial. Yeah, kind of, I don't know. Is it's it Grant? It's certainly no, not it's Grant. Like it's waspy. It's not racial. It's waspy. It's just dopey. Go on. Sorry it's to interrupt you. You're, you're <laughs> chopping your hand. All I'm, saying, all I'm saying is that's bullshit. Libertarian to the if if libertarians started going around saying dumb shit like make America great again or yes we can like I would slap them around too I would say that's hey cut that shit but out. somebody actually said to you that libertarians are too often making common cause with white nationalists or people like that on speech oh, yeah. issues yeah well here's the thing about that it's I, just it's just not true well first <laughs> of all it's not only not true but you should make common cause with anyone uh huh. If their right on, on to the speech issues. is sure. being abridged, which is why the ACLU went in hard uh, for the Nazis at Skokie in Illinois in the late 1970s and was defended actually by uh, Jewish lawyers mm-hmm. from the ACLU. The march ended up not happening and it turned out that Frank Collin, the guy who was running that march, turned out later found out that he was actually not only Jewish, but a pedophile. <laughs> so that didn't work out for them. But I think the thing that's different about this, you read Ibram uh, uh, X. Kendi's book, I was reading it this morning. I was literally reading this morning, and the first thing about it, by the way, he's a very, very bad writer. Like, he's actually a bad writer, 
Like, I mean, I, I had a Matt Welch moment when I was like, I can't remember what it was, but it was the mixed metaphor to end all mixed metaphors. It was hilarious. <laughs> and, uh, but the thing it about it, it wasn't even good. It was not even good. Yeah. It was, it was, I'll find it, but it was great. Uh, it was great in its bad way. The thing about it is that when she says, um, everybody must, I didn't see this tweet, but I don't follow her on Twitter. Everybody must be anti-racist. That's different than two little letters that you could precede anti-racist. Be an anti-racist in the sense of like, I'm somebody who's opposed to racism. And to be anti-racist to me, and again, maybe I'm slicing this thin myself, mm -hmm. is ideological, right? Because Ibram Kennedy's, uh, Kennedy's book is all about anti-racism, the ideology of anti It's how to be anti-racist, right? Mm -hmm. Not how to be an anti-racist. Because an, an anti-racist can be somebody who opposes racism in the way that Bayard Rustin opposed anti-racism or the way that civil rights leaders or you know, even white civil rights allies of the past oppose it. This is a whole ideological program. That's exactly right. And it is a mysterious one, too. It's a very Some, weird Somewhat one. amorphous. But there, but there are enough specifics to make anyone who actually cares about the kind of values that libertarians mm -hmm. do deeply fucking uncomfortable. It, look, if there's an overlap in police reform, if there's an overlap uh -huh. in you know qualified immunity and stuff about cops doing things that they shouldn't be doing, right? This is obviously libertarians going to overlap with you on that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that there's not an overlap on, and I think that the anti-capitalism thing cannot be downplayed, and one doesn't need to sound like Glenn Beck in a conspiratorial way and saying, well, it's anti-capitalist, like, fundamentally. They're quite They're open explicit about, about it. This. They're open about it. Yeah. And if you look at the urtext of this, which in a way is 1619, is that the big essay in that that caused the most controversy amongst academics in a specific way was the one about capitalism and the King Cotton, like revivifying that theory. Uh -huh. The guy from, I guess he's from Princeton. He's a sociologist from Princeton. I think he's a white guy too. It's a terrible piece and it's just kind of appalling. But the whole thing is the New York Times giving over an enormous amount of real estate in their marquee project to somebody who's basically saying, this is why we have to oppose capitalism, mm -hmm. which is kind of an odd thing to me. So right. many years after I was, I went back and was looking at other things for something I'm thinking of doing. And I sent you one of them. The thing that I found from 1990, the Skip Gates thing. Didn't mm -hmm. I send it to you? Uh-huh. Or, or we talked about it, yeah. Skip Gates was a letter or was asked about like political correctness. And he called it academic autism. <laughs> and goes on about people who respond to everything with race, class, and gender and how embarrassing it is. This is 1990. And this is Henry Louis Gates. God, we've, the New York Times has gone a, a long way from that. It was just a send, like a bunch of scholars they were talking to. And I can't imagine them running a piece like that now, much less one with Skip Gates saying that. They get upset I, I, with, with the, you know, somebody like Noam Chomsky signing this letter. But it's like, guys, you don't realize that the old left were people that actually supported the rights of bad people to say stupid things. And they, because they themselves realized that in the recent past, leftists who were considered bad people saying bad things were shut down. And it was, it was in recent memory that they would say, okay, l this has happened to us. Let's not let it happen to anybody else. Quick addendum. Like when you just said old left, what you actually meant was the new left was the new left. Yes. Which is now the old left. It's the old left. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I suspect that <laughs> you and I, one of the only things that we agree on since you're from Boston um, <laughs> is that there were bracing and, foundational like artistic and individualistic and you know 
philosophically sort of moored elements of the new left that like just 100 are where that's where we come from probably more or less um you know with variation um but like that's the the letter discourse is in some ways maybe some kind of last spasm a last reminder that there are some people who still remember this mm-hmm. i mean it's the thing that frustrates me about the uh discussion about speech right now including among uh, uh several people who self-identify as being at least libertarian friendly um who are like poo-pooing the existence of of uh cancel culture and whatnot it's yes. like we've been in the last 10 years there's been a bunch of different tests. There's been a bunch of different mo- moments. There was the Muhammad cartoons. There was Charlie Hebdo. And there was the pen recognition of Charlie Hebdo, which was protested mm-hmm. by 200 members yes. of an organization that historically has done more and been better about international free speech than just about anybody else. There's been the fracture Devoted to the cause of free speech. Devoted. Devoted to the cause of free speech. The fracturing of the ACLU, um, all of these things have happened. Boom, 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 boom. Um, and it's as if people are trying to nitpick um, Camille's stupid letter um, <laughs> while not paying any attention to these things that we have noticed. And I didn't even mention all of the fire stuff, the campus stuff, the usual stuff that, that people mention. But like there's been all of these things that have happened um and all of those are fracture points from what you just described as the old left but what is actually it was actually is the new left, new left. Yeah. um that new left is nearly extinguished at this point i'll give you an example of this and i think that maybe when things take on um these phrases like uh political correctness is then it it becomes the sort of domain in the language of donald trump right and it makes the rest of us really reluctant to use a phrase like that Cancel culture is kind of quickly becoming the same thing. And it is, you know, imprecise by its very nature. It kind of has to be. You know, we live in a a time in which to debate these things, adjudicate these things, we're doing it online and on Twitter, is that you're not, there's no specifics, right? And that was a complaint that these counter letter writers made when they're not saying anything specific. It's like, you know, it's trying to be universal. It's trying to be like three paragraphs, not this exhaustive thing. But this sense that it doesn't exist, which is there is a book that came out in like 1994 called The Myth of Political Correctness. And it was about, you know, how this stuff is not happening on campus. It's a complete fake. It's a conservative mm-hmm. kind of thing. Places like Fire, uh, Harvey Silverglade and, and Alan Kors, and they, well, they would need to exist, right? Um, you know, our friends now, Jonathan Haidt and, and Greg Lukianoff, they're just making it all up. But I saw one today. Is this not cancel culture? I don't know. I don't know what to call it. John McWhorter tweeted something and said, this is a very brave piece, and it's in Quillette. I don't know anything about it. People get very exercised about this publication. I don't know much about it. I read it when things come my way. I don't go visit it or anything, so I don't know what the hell the complaint is, but maybe they have a complaint. Maybe it's true. But so I read this thing, and it was a classics professor, the last name of Katz, uh, at Princeton. And he was like, okay, everyone's gone fucking crazy. And one of the things he said in this was, I didn't notice it because I was just kind of skimming it, that there is a group, like a very radical group on campus of black students called the Black Something Union, you know, Liberation Union or something like that. And he referred to them as like a domestic terrorist organization or something crazy like that, right? It's crazy. It's over the top. And I would, I'm surprised they let that through. 
it doesn't detract from the fact that the piece was making a decent point. So I decided after I read this morning in bed, after I read John's tweet, to go onto Twitter. What did I find? Oh, God. The first thing that I find is a bunch of people in the classics field denouncing him. The second thing I found was a tweet from the Princeton newspaper, in which the Princeton newspaper journalist didn't see the difference between reporting something and writing an editorial. It was just a, it was a frank editorial about this piece and, you know, the thing of Quillette, which has been accused of being like a, a hub of racist science or, you know, eugenics or whatever. And they talked to somebody from the administration, who I think is the president of the university, who says, we're investigating it. We're looking into it. We're investigating it. Now, here's the thing about this. Is it dumb to say that? I don't know anything about this organization, but I suspect it probably is. They're not a fucking terrorist organization. Come on, guys. Let's, let's relax a little bit. But have you ever read anything that anyone in academia has written? Ever? <laughs> I, I mean, literally everything is hyperbole from beginning to end. Like, we're living in a fascist moment. The president's a fascist. Everybody's a Nazi. Everybody who walks by me is a racist. They're probably not racist, but you're you accusing them. Ward Churchill? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I interviewed him once for a reason. Yeah. 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 The uh, little Eichmanns uh, on 9-11. Yeah. And the problem was that, you know, he turned out that he was a plagiarist and not that he was just a bad thinker. But it's amazing how selective they are in, in going after people who say things that are over the top. Academia is about being over the top. I mean, that's what it's become, unfortunately. And the guy just writes a thing and maybe he was baiting them. But they took the bait. And I don't know if that's cancel culture. Hmm. But I don't know what it is when I, the university is investigating him for saying something. You can only wrong. troll in one direction, I suspect. I think that's well, no, right. I mean, I, I think if anything, and, and I say this as someone who has somewhat reluctantly arrived at the conclusion that this is... Uh, severe enough problem that it requires special attention because for some time I've, I've thought about the fact that there have always been unpopular things that you can, can't say absent some sort of recriminations coming your way from a large segment of society, right? And those things change. There's some fluidity there. And sometimes the backlash is stronger than at other times. Um, but what has become clear to me, and, and I don't think cancel culture is broad enough a term perhaps to capture all of the changes that are happening is that there is a penchant towards like greater censorship on both the left and the right. Something we talked about last week, an appetite for it. And it's, it's like a broad agreement in that respect. And particularly amongst younger people, a sense that the morally virtuous and correct thing to do is to protect people from bad speech both the, the polluting effect of bad speech, its ability to persuade you to do dangerous things, things they deem dangerous, but almost equally the injurious impact of bad speech, where it's violence, or at a minimum, it's going to hurt the various protected classes of citizens. And you can see how this works. Like The actual trajectory isn't hard to decipher. There mm -hmm. is a voluminous and growing... <laughs> mass of humanity that is in some way shape or form protected which means that there is going to be an ever-growing spectrum of things that you cannot fucking say like almost nothing 
one, what a joyless piece of shit world to live in. That where is exactly nothing can surprise you correct. anymore. Like nothing. There's no spontaneity. Yep. There's no risk taking. Give us like, an you example. Have no co- you have no comedy. Give it's us an example of what way, we can't say. The, well, <laughs> well, what you can't say, nigger. This is easy. Um, <laughs> the, the I can only, say. Choose not. I mean, yeah, you could, but you'd get canceled. Um, actually, you would. Although really. I apparently said it on you wouldn't, the fifth column. That's just drunk it. You, enough, you wouldn't but. really. You you wouldn't actually. But that's because you're in a unique circumstance, and I'm here to protect you. Um, <laughs> so so that's that's the reason. Almost anybody else. But but this. But that's what we're signing up for if we say nothing. And I, I'm actually a little surprised because I, I actually saw a tweet uh, from someone who is apparently a self-described fan and tweeted at me and like several other people, some of whom I know and some I don't. Um, but she was upset because of the, the letter and said that she wished that we would focus on things that are important like actually helping people because a lot of people are hurting because of the pandemic. There's going to be a lot of poverty and serious problems that we need to fix and the economy is going to be in shambles. And we really need to talk about things like UBI because we need to be prepared to actually make people's lives better. And most people don't give a shit about cancel culture. Well, I agree in, one, in, in a couple of respects. One, the economy is going to be really shitty. We do have to have conversations about what we'll do after all of this. I do suspect we're moving into a world where there's probably going to be more entitlements, not less, and figuring out just what kind of programs we should put into place. We should have very long, drawn-out conversations about that. And two, you're probably right. Most people may not give a fuck about cancel culture. They may not know that it's real. They may not feel its presence in in their lives. But I know two things. One is that we get correspondence almost every fucking day from people who are experiencing something weird in their offices where they feel uncomfortable saying school boards offices pta meetings and it's not uncomfortable disagreeing in 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 the most moderate senses there's all kind it's happening across a range of professions and to be clear this is not like I would like to talk about phrenology, no, I, and I no, can't. No, no. It's not it's, that it's, at all. You're a racist. Admit it and demonstrate your, your, your agreement with this pronunciation, with this pronouncement, pronunciation, <laughs> with this <laughs> pronouncement every day from here forth, or something bad may happen to you. It's that kind of shit. But the other thing that I know is that free speech is the most essential freedom that you have. And you don't lose that shit all at once. Like, never. It's always piecemeal. And this is the kind of process that you lose it in. And in a moment like this, where the state is likely to accrue a great deal more power than it already enjoys, and there is this weird, almost totalitarian, and usually I hesitate when I say that, I don't feel any need to hesitate now. Almost totalitarian impulse to police what other people can say and do. There's like actual violence in the street and shit. Free speech is important and you have to defend the shit like while someone kind of still cares about it. And if you wait too long, you will find yourself in a position where there are no allies to be found. And what you can see, right? (laughs) And what you can see from the past and what South Park episodes from the past can't be shown in the future because they might corrupt people. Mm -hmm. It is this point in which these people, I don't know if they're on the left, if they're on the, I don't know where these people are. I don't understand the political polls anymore. 
But it's funny that they've all become Christian conservatives, right? I mean, remember in the 1980s where it was like, if you listen to Luther Campbell, mm. you're going to start doing some shit, mm-hmm. right? And everyone was just like, that, that was true. That, like, it, it, That's I, true. I, Did you ask them two live group parties? Yeah. 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 Uh, but, you know, it's like oh, all, so this, all this stuff was like <laughs> what, what the Christian coalition was warning about, was saying yeah. like, we can't have people exposed to this stuff. We yeah. have to prevent people from hearing this sort of thing. But I think that the person that you said who wrote something on Twitter, who is a fan of the show or, or listens to the show, it's wrong on a number of levels. You give them too much credit because this was part of the response letter too. It's like when there's people in the world who have been kept out of journalism because they're people of color, et cetera, whether or not that's true, let's pretend that it is true, right? Let's pretend it's true. This happened recently. We know it's happened in the past. We, a couple things can be true at one time. You know, I mean, we can criticize Thomas and, and his friends and the signatories of that letter for not talking about the Rohingya. That's rather more important than cancel culture, isn't it? But why can't we have these things separate? I wrote a column one time, and I've referenced it a few times, of that in defense of first world problems. It's like, oh, it's a first world problem because you missed the train. It's like, well, because somebody doesn't have potable drinking water doesn't mean I can't be mad that I missed the train. Stop doing this. That this exclusionary thing of like, only the worst problems are the things that you can concern yourself about. People are having these problems and the economy is shit. Yeah, I know. We can talk about that too, which is why we have a podcast because we do talk about that. This sense that, that we have to limit it to only the things that are incredibly important. They don't do that. The people who are complaining about this don't do that. Does anyone, have I seen any of those people hit the streets today to march against the one-year-old child being shot and murdered in Brooklyn yesterday? No. And that is actually intersecting with what they're talking about. That is overlapping directly with this conversation about race, about poverty, about violence, about the police, about whether or not police should be in neighborhoods, whether they should be actively policing or passively policing. This is something that is actually overlapping with this issue. I don't see anyone talking about that. Should I go out constantly and complain about that? When you say to them, I mean, how many people have you, have you seen? I remember there was a piece, I think Tanasi Coates wrote about this idea of black on black crime. And I remember you rejected this idea too. And I understood why you were doing it much more than I understood why he was doing it. But bringing that up was like, hey, you're, you know, shifting the goalposts. You're doing whataboutism. And then the charge from people like this and in this letter is that you're not focusing on the right thing. You should be talking about this, which is that what I always say about people who do book reviews. You know, complain like, oh, I didn't like this book because it wasn't the book that I wanted them to write. (laughs) Like, review the book at hand, the one that they did write. Right. So don't tell me that you should be doing something else. I mean, and and then one other final thing on on cancel culture, or whatever we fucking call it, it's a stupid phrase, like intellectual dark web, they're all dumb phrases. The thing about it is, it's not about debate. That's the thing that pisses me off. Because it's about saying, you said this. Well, did you hear the context? You said it. As I said to Camille the other day, if you ever see a headline that says famous person, Instagram celebrity gets caught saying the N-word, mm-hmm. I guarantee you it's about Jay-Z. 100% of the time, it's about Jay-Z. <laughs> they were like models that were singing a Jay-Z song, and then they sang something with an A, not an ER, and that, that, <laughs> that's what's going on, right? The context doesn't matter, right? And why does context not matter? Well, because it's a shortcut to abusing somebody. It's a shortcut to, to displaying your sort of moral superiority over someone and not actually engaging in the debate. The thing that I, I like about the Trots versus the Stalinists in the 1930s having their mock 
trials against Trotsky and the mock trials and this, that, and the other, you know, the Dewey trials in, in, in New York, is that they were actually debating issues. Whereas now, I think the problem with this is not so much about people losing their jobs, because the, the, the counter to that is always, well, they deserve to lose their jobs. Which example are you talking about, buddy? Because I can think of a lot of people who don't, who didn't deserve to lose their jobs, or at least deserve to have a hearing, and one should be afraid in 2020, or should, one should be afraid in 2015 or 2025, that an accusation is the sentence, too. The accusation doubles as the sentence. You don't get a chance to say, well, actually, this is not entirely true. The pylon happens, and then your bones are left, and they go to the next person. Okay. Do you like that? I don't care if it's left or right. I don't, that's not something that I'm entirely comfortable with, primarily because we chose this profession for ourselves, because we like evidence. When Me Too stuff was happening, and I was like, felt uncomfortable saying anything that was off the mainstream reservation of, of, of views, was because I was like, hey, can't we should, our job is to ask questions, right? Well, now you're blaming the victim, you're re-traumatizing them. Well, no, I'm just trying to figure out what happened. I don't think that happened universally. Like the New York Times, in certain instances, they reported stories out. But the stuff that was happening online and people being brutalized online, the more I dug into these stories, a lot of them, I was like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. It's not at all what I thought it was. For a bunch of people who spend a lot of time obsessing about power dynamics, there isn't a lot of self-reflection about the way in which shifts, sudden shifts in cultural power can be abused by people on their own team. Yeah. And that's, I think, evident around us constantly. And that's why people who talk about due process, not just as a matter of specific law or whatever, litigation, but as a concept, as, a, as an approach towards yeah. the world, um, are playing defense because there's an asymmetry in the conversation Right. There's the Yasha monk, like, I'm here to persuade you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, and the goddamn Camille letter, which is what I'm going to call it from now on. Yeah, the Camille letter. Yeah. Um, uh, Of like, I mean, a lot of people made the decision to sign because I was signing. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, lefties, we hate Trump too. And so it's really important to let you know that doesn't work. They don't care. Don't care. They don't care. (laughs) Super (laughs) throat clear until the cows come home. (laughs) Nobody cares. Uh, because they are exercising power against you. Yep. They don't like what, you know, diminishing strands of power you still hold. And there is an asymmetrical conversation there. There's like uh, people who like care about due process and think that like if we have this like marketplace of ideas, we'll like contest it out and it'll be all like this. And everyone else is saying, fuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's not the same conversation. Why would you Why would you argue on behalf of a marketplace of ideas when the tide is has turned and to mix metaphors, the wind is at your back and you don't need it. to persuade people? You Does anyone it. think that we haven't seen this before? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the the thing that Joan Baez got uh, early cancellation, who was a very strong opponent of the Vietnam War. And then wrote a letter, and uh, it was published in newspapers, so it got a full-page ad. But what was happening to the Vietnamese? Everyone said, this is not going to happen. This is uh, like anti-communist propaganda. People who opposed the regime in the South uh, were now taken over and thrown into re-education camps, et cetera. And she opposed it, and she was like piled on by people. Like, how dare you give sucker to the anti-communist cause and the rest of it? 
But it's like, no, 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 it's not even about that. It's not even about the ideology. I think it's probably more common amongst people um, who take over governments and have a hammer and sickle somewhere on their uniform. But it is just a thing that happens when you have a lot of power and you didn't have it before. And before it was the czar and before it was kulaks and the rich peasants and the rest of it. And then guess what you do? Now you get to run the tables on people. You think you're going to say, I think we should op- we should allow the opposition newspaper to open up and have a debate about it. It's like, no, no, we got the guns and we got the Winter Palace now. I don't need you. And there's a little whiff of that with people who are like, that's the thing of this counter letter was like, your time is gone, old guys. I don't care if there was a fatwa from the Iranian regime that threatened your life for 20 plus years and, and in so many ways ruined it, in some ways helped it. Hot girls, uh, so, uh, which you know, someone made, made a joke about in Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he was like, you know, you get fatwa girls. That's like the whole bit is very, very funny. Um, and uh, which uh, it was ad libbed uh, from his part, on his part too. So he acknowledges that that was that's true. There's one little upside to it. These are people that have actually, you know, there's a Syrian guy who's been oppressed by the the Syrian regime by by Bashar al-Assad. There's people from lots of different walks of life who had bad things happen to them. And you have a bunch of people who are like, we have no power, signed anonymous NBC News, saying that, oh, wow. It's like, no, no, you know you have a lot of power now. You know it. You know that, that, that everybody else is on their back heels, because how do you argue with somebody who says, you're a white cis male, and your time is up? Do you realize that in that letter, he, like a hundred journalists signed a letter, signed a letter that explicitly said somebody who is not Korean, this is actually in the letter, cannot write a novel in which there's a main character who's a Korean. And it's being made into a film. She hasn't been canceled. And it's being directed by a Japanese person. Oh, no. And they're mad that a Japanese person, I mean, this is like, I can imagine Koreans getting mad about this, actually. <laughs> that a Japanese person is directing a film about a Korean character. I mean, this is madness. Who is signing on to this letter? Are they reading the whole thing? In fairness, the Japanese and the Koreans... Yeah, but there was the very initial issue that it was like a like a white lady or something who wrote this book. I said this on the little uh, thing that I recorded and probably won't release because I've just repeated a lot of it here. No, is, <laughs> release um, it all. Release yeah, it well, all. Is that um, one of the best books I read, best novels I read in the past five years, uh, which I recommend anyone, everyone read, is absolutely gripping, called The Orphan Master's Son, I believe. Uh, Johnson, Adam Johnson. The, the, the character is a guy named Pak John Do, uh, which is a homonym of John Doe, Pak John Do. Hmm. It's a North Korean character written by an American guy. So nobody can actually relate to a North Korean because there are no North Koreans really that get out except for a few here and there. And it's a phenomenal book. And I just thought about that when I read that sentence. Imagine, that, to Camille's point, which is a very good one, the lack of joy in all this, the cruelty of it constantly hound people it's not cancel culture it's bullying and to to take the fun out of life i would be a poorer person in a way having not read that book which i love so much and recommended to a million people and i don't know why he shouldn't have written that he did an incredible job well maybe they don't eat the exact same thing that (laughs) the north koreans eat like as they did with this um american dirt book yeah well they don't barbecue sell sauce. that yeah and which, which, which actually wasn't even in the book it's like a lie too but anyway i'm just i'm going on way too long so so i mean did we did i actually do we finish talking about the Jor- jorgensen thing i yeah, guess i yeah, just more. like explained and i did no i complained you explained and complained yeah i mean the thing the, 
The thing that frustrated me about that exchange was, and the only way that I intervened and I shouldn't have probably was that. Oh, did you intervene? I did just in that, uh, protector? a guy named Chris Spangle, uh, who is a nice guy who's very helpful, a libertarian guy, uh, capital L, um, who helped, uh, do, uh, audio visuals when I was, um, like hosting some, um, moderating libertarian uh, presidential uh, debates. Um, tweeted out like something along the lines of you know it's 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 striking and and disturbing that when the libertarian candidate says that we should be anti-racist that everyone gets upset yeah i saw i saw that that message over and over and over and over and it's like that's from, not from, the from language reason, actually that how dumb are former, they? They former cato people yeah. and that's not the language that she used and mm-hmm. and I just intervened to say, you know, the actual quote is that must be actively anti-racist. Right. Which is significantly different in these times, mm-hmm. in this exact moment. Precisely right. From shouldn't be racist or, uh-huh. you know, whatever. And it, and it doesn't matter that she borrowed that quote from an essay written by a gentleman named... I don't know his name. Jonathan Blanks. For Cato at libertarianism.org like or libertarian.org the article is still there and it's it's a quote of his it's philosophically sloppy shit which Why? quote is that 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 you must be anti-racist when was that written by the way several years ago so but 2014 2015 okay so i mean at the time though it was yeah. still like a polluted concept like maybe he was unfamiliar with the doctrine of Ibram Kendi, and I know that he doesn't subscribe to that whole program because he said explicitly, "I don't subscribe to all of that." He's also not the context in which people understand the concept of anti-racism or understand that, that Black Lives Matter. That is correct. But could, could he's you give not him the reason some why credit? the libertarian universe is having this yeah. conversation, or why the the nation? is having this conversation about anti-racism. All of those things are happening because of other points of influence. And this reminds me of another idea, another concept, uh, alt-right, an idea which for a very long time was sort of amorphous. Like there was a bunch of different people who were claiming this, this title and suggesting that they were operating under this brand. But it was something that was pioneered by a particular guy who happens to be an identitarian he's a Nazi. who says he's not a white nationalist. He's an identitarian, but he's a white nationalist. He's a Nazi. Richard Spencer. Yeah. And if Richard Spencer is saying he's alt-right, and you're also saying you're alt-right, but you're kind of trying to rebrand it, which kind of calls back but, to last but, week. But honestly, did, I think it's going to be hard for you. So it's a question for you, though, and I'm not you know, springing to anyone's defense, but I didn't okay. know that it was that old. If it's 2014, so can you give him a hard time oh it's not him i'm not giving him no no i know but when when she's quoting him and i i I entirely get your point that now it means something different but in the context that it was written 2014 was that the concept then that mean meant the same thing as it meant today i i don't as a a whole ideology it it certainly didn't carry all of the same connotations Mm -hmm. but it certainly carried some of them without a doubt um more more importantly though and i i don't know if it was 2014 or 2015 i don't remember Um, but she's using the phrase in 2020 Mm. and she's using the phrase in the same message where she does hashtag black lives matter. I, yeah, I get that. It's very hard not to presume and interpret this 
absent mm. any other context yeah. as an endorsement of that program. And with the other people, you said reason people, some other people that are, are I guess, broadly libertarian were, were saying, what's the problem with this? Yeah. I guess my question to them, because they, they, they know. They have to know. Of course they do. They, they have to know. It's their job. It's, it's not interesting. <laughs> it's job it's not know. telling that libertarians are upset about this if you actually know. They know. They In know. which case, this is kind of boring. Of course they're irritated by that because they get the broader political context. It's not – it doesn't matter that this – in fact, it's not about black people. That's not why they're upset. There's no one who's upset because it's about black people. I should, uh, I should intervene to say that I'm not upset. On one hand, and on the other, like the thing that uh, bothers me about that formulation in the original tweet is not the hashtag uh, Black Lives Matter. I don't care. Um, you don't care about Black Lives. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Matt Welch doesn't care about recognizing black lives. my pain. That's my Kanye um, moment. Uh, <laughs> Stand next to Mike Myers. No, but it's, Matt, Matt Welch doesn't care about Black Lives. It's the constant <laughs> binary sorting yeah you are either it's mm -hmm. not enough mm -hmm. just to be not racist yeah, yeah so like let's let's fill in some other things i said before anti-anti-semitic which does make sense but like mm -hmm. imagine homophobic it's not enough to not be homophobic right you need to be actively anti-homophobic anti no, no, no i think it's even worse than that in a way jake Siegel, we had a great episode with him where he was talking about they keep turning the cube and using this sort of basic language, which nobody can disagree with, and then tricking you with this. They're f not falling for it because they understand that it is a political program. So then, knowing that, you're then relying on the language, the simplicity of the language, and saying, come on, put this to them. Are you pro-life? What, you don't like life? You're opposed to life? Mm. You want people to die? Yeah. Like, no, 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 pro-life yeah. doesn't mean that. Exactly, you dumb fuck. Of no, course it doesn't mean that. sloppy nonsense. It's, you know, it's like people using, they've done this for, for millennia of taking simple language, attaching freighted political concepts to it, and then putting it out into the ether and saying, do you agree with this or you disagree with this? Mm -hmm. And tricking people into it, right? Yeah. And saying, you're pro-life, you're not pro-life. You must be pro-death. That's the opposite <laughs> of pro-life. So you're pro-choice. What do you hate choice or anti-choice? It's the same Your shit. daughter is not quite old enough, although she's cruel enough. Uh, she'll, <laughs> she'll get there soon enough. But uh, uh, Easy said to me recently, like, hey, dad, hey, dad, do all lives matter? Oh, yeah, yeah. Baiting a trap for you. And yeah. I was like, the answer to that question is yes, all lives matter. And she said, that's racist. Um, and like, <laughs> I don't think you knowingly walked into the trap just to, to make a semantic point, which is that all lives actually do matter. They do. It's not going to be my response when someone says to me, do black lives matter? Mm. Uh, largely because I will probably uh, respond in a kind of a generally hostile way, which is that <laughs> I'm, I don't acknowledge your traps. Fuck you. <laughs> That's good. That's the right answer. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm serious about Ten that. It's like, it, yeah. it, it goes to what I was saying with uh, Yasha Monk. I like, I, you know, it's, to the people out there who are saying that, for example, the cancel culture, which I agree is kind of a dumb, uh, uh, like shorthand, although there is a culture that seems to enjoy cancellation. So like maybe, yes. maybe it is descriptive. Yeah. Um, but for those people who think that that doesn't exist, 
I ask all of them, particularly if they work in academia or journalism, mm. but also like, no, maybe you're a lawyer. Maybe, maybe you're a lawyer. Maybe you, maybe you work at the Navy or the Air Force, like all the yeah. letters that we've been getting in. Or a bank. Here's or a your, bank. Or a tech company. Here's your experiment to see or whether- you're like on some stupid Seattle board. You're, you're being forced to take some kind of bizarre indoctrination courses. Here hmm. is your, your test case. Go to your place of work where you work with other people, presuming that you can actually go to work like in Australia and- <laughs> Some places. Um, <laughs> we'll and, explain that context later. And put on your door or in your sort of public-facing place all. Mm. Underline it. Like, capitalize it. All lives matter. See how long your job lasts. Yeah. Like, check it out. Like, which in, which in, is insane. Like, that's insane. And, and this, actually, <laughs> this actually pertains to the libertarian, like, anti-racism thing, too. Because a lot of people... Mm. Um, credulously saying, what's wrong with being anti-racist? Like being like, what's wrong with being anti-fascist? There's absolutely nothing wrong with either. Do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. Your your program becomes a problem when it becomes mandatory for me to participate. But that's when it becomes a problem. we, We have to play this backwards too, right? Because if you play it backwards in the sense that there is a freighted political concept too, when somebody says all lives matter, right? When Richard Spencer says that, and then the old lady in the middle of nowhere who doesn't follow the news is like, well, yeah, well, all lives matter, right? I don't think that's the same thing as when Richard Spencer says it. He is... Does Richard Spencer say that? I assume so. I assume so. I don't know. I mean, nobody talks about him anymore. There's a lot of... Nobody does now. Because the only reason I talked to him before is because every time he popped out of his house, 400 cameras were on him. Yeah. Because you needed that guy, right? (laughs) It was like 2016. You want to find that guy. He's the reason Trump won, obviously. Most influential man in America. But it is a political concept, too. So we have to do it both ways and say, if you you know, anti-racism, which is a kind of banal concept, not banal concept, it's a sort of straightforward concept, until you kind of impregnate it with all these political uh, ideological meanings Mm -hmm. is the same thing is true of all lives matter. There is a group of people there. There's certainly I've seen it in which they're saying something slightly different. Right. And I don't think that everybody who says that is saying the same thing, just like I don't think that anyone who's everyone who says anti-racism is all saying the same thing either. I went to, I sent you some videos yesterday. I sent both of you some videos yesterday. And it's really funny because I didn't explain the context of them because I wasn't, I didn't go to the protest. I went out to Borough Park, the other Hasidic neighbor. I just go from one Hasidic neighbor to another Mm -hmm. to look at uh, some appliances, Mm -hmm. like a used uh, place, this Hasidic place. And so I was out there with a friend and I, and I said, you know, it's really fucking hot, but let's go at like five o'clock and close at six. And after that, you know, maybe be cooler and play some tennis because out there, it's like Borough Park, Diker Heights, Bay Ridge, whatever. There's a lot of public tennis courts that aren't as crazy as they are out here. So, so I put it in the GPS when I'm going, and I go, and it says, take a left up here. And I can't take a left. His cops blocking it off. I'm like, fuck, the court's right on the other side of that. And I see flags, cop flags. You know, the cop yeah, flag. Yeah, yeah. And I see American flags. And I'm like, oh, it's the Bay Ridge thing that I heard about, which was trending on Twitter the other day. So I go and park the car and walk over to the thing. And it... <laughs> And I've been to a million of these things in various contexts, but in New York, it's different for a variety of reasons. But it was a master's class in how to construct like a media narrative, because there's going to be a dickhead on every side of this, right? But the thing that I thought was weird about it, the first thing that I thought was weird about it 
was that the counter protesters I saw in the, to the media today, it was like a small group of counter protesters. The counter protesters were bigger than the protests. I mean, there were a so, lot. Tell the kids what Bay Ridge is. Uh, well, Bay Ridge used to be a, a largely white working class neighborhood, a lot of cops, like Staten Island's right on the other side of the bridge there. There's a lot of cops. It's the Brooklyn, and still in a lot of ways it is. is there's a Brooklyn that the people there, when they say Brooklyn, they think of something else and the people in South Brooklyn say Brooklyn, right? And the, the thing that I thought was interesting was that, because there's all these counter protesters there, and there were a lot of them. And the cops were separating people, and it was getting a bit hairy at certain points. The thing that I thought was weird about it was that these guys, whether I didn't, I hated everybody at that protest, by the way, <laughs> but these guys that are there and, and women, they were just having a protest in their neighborhood. They're Bay Ridge people. I talked to a few of them. They're just Bay Ridge people, right? These people from, you know, Bushwick, basically, right? Came to their protest and counter protested. Okay, that's your right, fine. But why just let can you just like it's their 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 neighborhood that's their place right well, you got to come and have a, imagine the reaction if they're having a protest in Bushwick a Black Lives Matter and a bunch of Bay Ridge meatheads showed up NYPD gear on mm. waving flags it would be the ultimate provocation but the one thing that I thought was very strange there were two guys one exceptionally tall guy and the other one in makeshift um, Red Cross medic outfits. Mm-hmm helmets and shields and bags with fucking band-aids in it and whatever what do you do? really <laughs> like imagine if you were like uh, they're, they're putting a fucking senior center in here and i'm very upset we're gonna go down and protest bring the medic i mean what <laughs> no what, you're 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 going there obviously there's going to be some trouble and you're stoking it and i saw one interaction i sent you, you think that the one. medics are stoking it why why are you bringing a medic people get hurt why i don't know the why are you why are you getting hurt I, in a protest I don't, I don't have an objection to bringing the medics in hong kong well, first of all they're not medics and it's uh, not hong it's kong it's just kids it's just kids volunteering but i don't have a problem yeah, but with they're LARPing. someone showing up to fucking hong kong they're getting it's shot not, by the cops it's not so much larping like shit happens shit goes shit goes sideways and people get hurt i think you're right that's i think you're right the fucking it does feel <laughs> like a provocation <laughs> oh, but there may not but they're not may not be people there who can who can render aid to someone if they like get trampled i i don't have any objection to that and i will say if I did they're see going to that video from that yeah from it was that bad. yesterday that was pretty bad um with the the cop uh a kid is recording the police the cop gives him an order to back off the kid kind of gets mouthy i think or maybe he didn't even get mouthy. In either case, the cop like completely responds in a disproportionate two, way. Two like, shoves and a tase. Another yeah. cop runs in from off camera and like smashes into him. Then while the kid is on the ground, the cop pulls out his taser and tases him. I think yeah, that's Yeah, it was right. bad. It was bad. And, and then the kid is like ripping out the prongs and he's upset at this point. Like he had just been standing there with his fucking camera recording the police as you do and as you are free to do. And the police officer didn't like that shit, lost his cool mm-hmm. and tased this fucking kid and should totally lose his job. And he I is guarantee you that that something, a disciplinary will, will happen. happen. Yeah. yeah. And he probably will yeah. lose and, his and, job. and look, it's, it, it, I saw a lot of stuff in a very short period of time of provocations on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. And people like, you know, really, it was it was like ugly. Yeah, there are and bad people on both bad sides. Bad people were doing They're also like, very fine people on both sides. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's important to underscore that there are very fine. No, people. but I look, look, I saw this shit happening. Yeah, the thing that amazes me 
is that there was a girl sitting on the ground and she was getting this stuff washed in her eyes and she must have been pepper spray. I didn't see yeah. the police do this. Yeah. It might have been a protester. It might have been someone on her own side. Yeah. Who knows? But she's sitting on the ground and there's 5,000 people ringing her taking pictures, mm-hmm. establishing a narrative. I right? do hate that. So and much. one yeah. person, other stuff's going on and this cop does the same thing, right? The only thing that I think about this <laughs> is that if you know you're being filmed, this is the stuff that, that the George Floyd stuff that is like, if you know you're being filmed and you do it, the, I think the George Floyd thing, the Derek uh, Schaufen or whatever the hell his name is, that piece of shit is, you know, doesn't, I think, believe that he's going to kill the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that was I think in, in, obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't think he would say, "I'm on camera, I'm going to kill this guy." Right? Yeah. I don't think that was. Yeah. I, I don't know. We can never tell, but it doesn't strike me that he's seems, trying to do that. It seems highly unlikely that he decided, "I'm going to commit murder right now." There I'm is going to strangle this man. Yeah, on camera it, it strikes me that that probably was a cop, and I can get away with that. Yeah, I, unlikely. Unlikely. I don't know, but it's unlikely. Whereas this guy who does this thing in this video, he's being filmed. Mm-hmm. which is to him the provocation, right? But the whole day <laughs> is these people yelling at him and doing all this stuff. And there's a lot of people just aren't cut out for this job in it's that true. way. And they're just on this, this other end of a torrent of abuse. Yeah. They know the cameras are there. Yeah. They, they know it's so irrational. Guess what? You shouldn't do that shit when there are cameras there or I not cameras. I don't there. know that most people are cut out for that. Honestly, I mean, I'm not, I'm not cut out for that shit. You couldn't, you couldn't give me a gun and send me out to like keep the peace. No, and have people just Certainly like abusing not. me. No, with with their words. Well, but the thing is, it's like it's spitting it's off, me not a murderer. And it's all me not defending stuff. them. It's Especially just me thinking myself like in a, that situation. I'd be like, <laughs> oh, fuck Jesus you, dude. If you're dressed in like a fairy uniform. <laughs> Shirtless, Moynihan would be so around. like bicycle shorts cop. No, you can imagine him with his helmet. God, I'd be in prison. Right I'd, now. I'd just be, I just like, this, I'd be, stop fucking yelling at me. And then I would be like, get the fuck. And I push, and I do, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I shouldn't be in this job. But yeah, and I'm not in that job because I'm bad at this stuff. And stuff. That person shouldn't be in that job either. And I didn't, you know, a, a second officer coming in, and God knows if he thought like something happened and they just like, I'm responding to my buddy because he's obviously doing the right thing. It's like, guys. You do, why are you proving their points constantly? You and, almost committed uh, police abuse with the uh, cords situation just earlier today. Oh my gosh. Oh, we were about to record with Josh Zepps tonight. Yeah. And it didn't have the right cord. sideways because yeah. he didn't have the right cables. We waited for like an hour. It wasn't that long. One and a half like hour punching about, minorities yeah. all around. <laughs> so is this a Patreon or are we just. This is a Patreon. A Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Because I just sounded like well, I just def- say, come on. Well, no, I can't put, you can't put this out widely because it just sounded like I defended a cop who like hit an innocent person well, and did. I wasn't saying that. You did. No, I, I mean, did Some people deserve to get hit. No, I did if not. If you get in a cop's face and you say, and you say, hit me, I want you to hit me, they should change the law <laughs> so that the cop can actually hit that kid. I'm just trying to be like, what I'm, would I, I, I be like in that situation? I wish you'd hit me. I'm I remember when like you guys were at least libertarian adjacent. Oh yeah, no, no, no. That's over. Blue Lives Matter. Holy I mean, <laughs> literally, I, I think the guy should be fired. Carbot I'm just like, great. I'm they just like, they my point it. being is I couldn't do it. You know how dangerous no. that obviously job he is can't either. Yeah. You know, it, all drugs should be illegal. <laughs> Especially weed. It's a gateway drug. <laughs> it's true. It's a gateway drug. The gateway to all kinds of depravity. Gateway to awesomeness What we fun. need to do is make America great again. Oh, God. That's what we need. No. All right. Well, I'm going to. I'm still. I'm still critical of the cops. Yeah, 
That that was believable. <laughs> <laughs> Believe what you want, people. But stuff, stuff, want. stuff's getting a little hectic around here in New York. Yeah, so it, it it really is. It's really getting a little weird. Yeah. You drive me home. And the did you take a cab, Rug? Fuck yeah! I'm I drinking, you were, did you really take I, a cab? Yeah, I'm drinking. We have a car. I'm drinking. Oh, okay. I literally, I'll drop you home. I literally thought he was driving. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I'm just drinking and driving. Should I take us out in that great Stevie Wonder song? Sure. No, yeah. I don't think I can People do that. need that. That's a really bad song. Why? It was, a, it was a theme song. It was uh, in Mothers the movie. Against Drunk Driving. I'm mad. What movie was that in? Mm. It was like um, Lady in Red or something. I can't remember. I think it might oh, have been Lady in yeah. Red. Was that not Lady in Red? It's, a, it's a, like a that's mm. a, a song by who? Simply Red. I've Is just, it Simply Red who sung that song? I don't know. Don't I'm think like, so. I've, I've no, it can't be right. Don't no. Red her. Simply Red is Red Red Wine. No, right? what the fuck is no? wrong with you? That's no. UB40 that's playing UB40. Neil Diamond. So who sung? So who sung? So what does Simply Red sing? Oh, that that was Mick Huckle. Lady in Red. Uh, it seems a little on the nose, isn't it? Uh, oh, it's are they, are they, they sang holding back the years. Great song, oh, yeah. great song. Holding yeah. back the years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I got one more thing that I'm just okay. gonna say. Not a political thing. Yeah, we got uh, we got some stuff coming that is not uh, a recording. Sorry, we got some stuff coming for 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 some people on Patreon. It's coming soon. You don't have to prove to me. You belong to me. <laughs> Tell a stranger. <laughs> <sighs> okay, bye. Midnight. Bye. Bye. Greetings, girl, and welcome to my world of phrasing right up to bat. It's the daisy age, you're about to walk top stage, so wipe your lottoes on the mat. Hip-hop love, this is, and don't mind when I quiz your involvements before the sun. But clear your court, cause this a one-man sport, and who's better for this than plug one? Plug don't one. have to worry about me squashing other deals, cause they've already been squished. Freeze a frame of our moves the same, wish we can continue right behind the bush. You'll stay with me, I know this, but not because of all my earthly treasures, or regardless to the fact that I'm possibly the loose.